0: Teacher this morning is going to be Thomas West, who's going to be coming even now. And Thomas is in pastoral ministry in, at a church in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. And uh, in June, uh, he's going to begin church planting work in London. And so that ought to, I look forward to hearing from him. It. Thomas. Right on, right on. What up, what up? How y'all feeling? Yeah, okay, okay. I'm going uh, to talk some this morning, and I'm just trying to figure out exactly who I'm talking to and where I'm at. So uh, it's okay if you talk back. If it stinks, you can actually just start saying that, and I'll try to make this sound better as uh, this plane's in flight. Um, it's great to see you guys this morning. My name's Thomas West. I grew up uh, just down the road in Montgomery, Alabama. And I was actually in Auburn from 2004 to 2008 uh, for college, and for the last 10 years, I've been living in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, where I actually serve as a college pastor for seven of those last 10 years. So uh, this feels incredibly normal for me this morning, uh, getting to be here uh, with you. We're actually running the same same thing uh, as you have set up right here in Raleigh, starting at 9.30, sitting at tables, I actually feel like. I'm home. So um, it's so good to, to meet you this morning. Um, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12. And um, I have an interesting assignment this morning where uh, the work ahead of me is to share some of my story and uh, wh- what God's been doing in my life, uh, a little bit of my testimony with you, and then try to uh, bring that over to the text where we can actually uh, study God's Word together. And I think somewhere in the midst of all of this, um, we're going to find, we're going to find Jesus here speaking to us and encouraging us, leading us and guiding us. So um, again, if you, you need help, don't, don't feel bad using the table of contents. Uh, the book of Hebrews is in the right part of the Bible, not that there's a wrong part of the Bible, <laughs> pastor jokes. And uh, you actually want to go to Revelation, turn, turn a couple books to the left and you'll find it. Chapter 11, chapter numbers are big numbers, uh, verse numbers are those smaller numbers interspersed throughout the text. And um, I'm going to share just a couple of different things uh, from different ways with you, and then uh, hopefully we could just have a discussion. We can just chat around the tables about what God has for us in all of this. Um, right, right at the heart of uh, what we're doing right here this morning is uh, we're just trying to position ourselves and open ourselves up where God can speak to us. And the Bible's incredibly clear that if people will just open up their hearts to Him and be willing to hear from Him, He'll have something to say. And I really hope that God does uh, speak to each of you this morning whether this is your first time in and around a church, um, I hope that you'll hear from Jesus, and I hope Jesus will speak something into your heart. Whether you're in here week in and week out, um, if you're like me during my college years, which I'll share with you, struggling with just half-hearted faith, half-hearted obedience, knowing the right things to do, but struggling to really press in uh, to them, I hope you'll hear from God, and, and you'll find Him to be incredibly loving and gracious this morning, and it would really give you strength to continue running well. For those of you that are are here and you've been in the fight and you're running well and you're running hard right now, I hope you'll hear from God and you'll hear Him calling you out uh, to what's next here at Lakeview or anywhere else in uh, the city of Auburn, or the great cities of the world. Um, I think God can do all of that and more through a broken man in 30 minutes. So let's just ask Him to do it. Come on. Loving Father, you are so good. We don't deserve to be in this room this morning. We don't deserve the, the friendships that we have around these tables. Father, we don't deserve a, a church that cares so much about your word, where we're led so well by guys like Brother Al, Hal, Kevin. God, we don't deserve this. But God, you and your great grace, you've moved towards us in Jesus. You've loved us so well. For many of us, you've given us new life. And God, that makes us grateful. Father, this life that we have is not our own. You tell us that we're bought with a price, so we ought to glorify you with our bodies, with everything we say and with everything we do. And God, we want that to be the mark of our lives. So God, would you do something in in this morning, here in this moment, leading across the hall to the next, and over the next couple of days, we have some time to, to be together, to think about who you are, to think about who we are, to think about how we might participate in your mission in the world, God, would you speak? Would you lift burdens and take them away? God, would you give life in the place of death? God, would you give clarity in the midst of confusion? And would you do what only you can do? Work even now in this moment and to use a broken and weak man to do extraordinary things. We ask together in Jesus' name, amen. Let me share a little bit of uh, my story with you. Um... Like I said, uh, my name's Thomas. I uh, grew up right down the road. Actually, went to Wetumpka High School. Um, anyone? Anyone? Yeah, it's like the ends of the earth. I know we should probably plant a church there, actually. But uh, I, I went to Wetumpka. My wife, uh, right down the road in uh, in Montgomery, went to uh, Trinity. Any Trinity Presbyterian in the house? Yeah, that's how it goes. So uh, um, this, is, this is us. Um, we actually knew each other our entire lives. Um, both of our moms' names are Susan, and um, when uh, they actually taught Sunday school together, First Baptist Montgomery. So when Elizabeth was born, my mom actually took me to visit her in the hospital, right? So uh, we've known each other literally our entire lives, started dating um, on and off, you know what I'm saying, Th- through uh, high school and college. I'm glad she isn't here to hear this part. She'll be here in just a minute, so I've got to get all this in without her. And uh, we've been living in Raleigh for the last uh, last 10 years. Um, been married for, for nine years. Um, we got married uh, and proposed to her my senior year at Auburn, and then I ran up to Southeastern to start degree work on my MDiv and PhD. Came back that summer, we got married and been living in Raleigh. These are our, our two little kids. That's Perry Elizabeth on the left. And man, don't be deceived by that smile, because she's a fireball. And then that's my, my little son, uh, Shepherd, on the right. Um, photo's about a year old, so as you get to see him in the next couple of days, um, you'll see they've grown just a little bit. But uh, this is us. Um, this is us. God saved both my wife and I when we were young kids in, uh, in church, in uh, First Baptist Montgomery, and uh, God did what he does. He just slowly but surely started just shaping us up, more and more and more into the image of Jesus, and he's still doing that work in our lives right now, and uh, for the last seven years, uh, I've been finishing up, uh, just finished my PhD at Southeastern Seminary last year, and now headed, um, actually headed to London to plant a church. And um, God's done such an incredible work in our lives, and I just want to share just a few details of this um, with you. Before I talk just a little bit about London, though, I think uh, actually an actually important question before we even talk about like, why, why London, uh, for some of us in here this morning, it might even be helpful to just first consider, like, why plant churches at all? Like, aren't there enough lost people around Auburn? I mean, I was somewhere last night, and I saw some lost people, right? I mean, do we really need to go anywhere else to plant churches? Right? By the way, um, that game last night, how many of you stayed to the very end? Raise your hand. Yeah, respect. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so, um, sorry, I can just go like that. So, why plant churches at all, right? To Consider this with me, right? Jesus' essential call was to plant churches. Um, when he gave the Great Commission, telling his people to go into all the world, teaching them to obey everything that he had commanded, right? He told, them to, he told his followers to baptize them, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, when you keep reading the New Testament, whenever baptism comes up, especially in the book of Acts, baptism is always connected to church membership. Jesus' essential call, the Great Commission is essentially a call to go into all the world and to plant churches. But not only this, this was actually Paul's strategy as well for evangelizing the nation's. This is what Paul did. When you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts is the story of the church going from great city to great city to great city throughout the ancient world. So this is, this is why we, we plant churches, mainly because Jesus told us to, and that's kind of what the apostle Paul did. I mean, that kind of solves it, right? So, I mean, this is, this is why we plant churches. We plant churches because the Bible says that um, the, the big plan of this whole thing is for us to not only be able to know and love God now, like have a full relationship with Him in this life, but for us to get to spend eternity with God forever. And in the meantime, between here and there, what the, the plan that God is working out, He wants the knowledge of who He is to fill up the earth like the water covers the bottom of an ocean. This is the plan. This is what God's inviting people to participate in, and He invites us to participate in it by planting churches. And in the last year, God's been working in our hearts to moving us to the city of London to plant a church. We're looking to move in June of 2019, coming up really, really soon, and we're hoping to plant a church that's going to be a blessing to many, many people. Now, after we get through the thing about like why plant churches at all, then the question is why London? Out of all the cities, out of all the places, like why the city of London to move and to plant a church? Well, um, for many of you, anybody actually been to London before? You see those hands? That's awesome, guys. So good. Um, hopefully, we'll be there on a mission trip soon. You know what I'm saying? So, um, why London? You think about it. L- London's a beautiful city with lots of diversity. Um, you have traditional British literally mixing with the rest of the world and the nations. There are thousands of students living in London. London's home to over 300 different languages spoken in the city of London. There are more than 50 indigenous people groups. Okay, so I know it's early, but just try to get this one. There are over 50 groups of people in London that have a population of more than 10,000 in those groups. More than 7% of London's population is from South Asia. More than 9% of London's population claims to be Muslim. And the Church of England, if you know anything about what's going on over there, they're going to count anybody that looks like they might be a Christian. And according to the Church of England, less than 2% of London is Christian. This is why London. Why London? Because God is doing something really unique at this point in time in human history where more people live in cities right now than ever before The projection is by year 2050, more people will live in cities than live in rural and suburban areas. This is why London. Because our sovereign God is moving people around in the world. Because our God is moving people into the great cities of the world, where English is a common language that most people have to learn to speak. Where cities are actually easier places to get to than some of these hard-to-reach places. Because you can actually go to a city and it's easier to get to the city of London than it is to all 50 of these indigenous people groups that are located in the city of London. Because it's easier to get to London than travel all across South Asia with the gospel. This is why London. Because we have a sovereign God who's literally orchestrating history and he's doing something amazing. He's moving people into the great cities of the world. And he's given his church favor and access to be able to go into these cities and to plant churches to tell people about who he is. This is why London. Because God is doing something with cities. A trend that's not going to be stopped or reversed no matter how much we like it or don't like it. And we get to move into these cities. We get to plant churches. We get to pray for people. We get to share the gospel and then from these cities, many of these people, they're just there for a few years, they're just there for school, they're just there for a little business, and then they're going to go home. And they're going to take the gospel back to their homelands with them. Why London? Because this is what God is doing in the world. And just a little bit about the ministry vision for London, as we hope to move in June of 2019 with a team of 10 to 20 American adults. So that would qualify most of you in the room right here. We're hoping to move to London to plant a church. I told you I'm on staff at Providence Church in Raleigh, actually in a uh, church planting network as well called the Summit Network, Summit Church located in Raleigh, Durham. Um, I'm one of the church planting residents going through that network where we're actually hoping to gather a team of people and some resources and to move over to London and plant a church. The specific area we're looking to move into is called Queens Park. Queens Park. It's in uh, Zone Two, which is right north of Notting Hill. Um, it's due west of things like Paddington, Marylebone, and Maida Vale. If you're familiar with different things there, serviced off of two tube lines: the Bakerloo and Jubilee tube lines. And we hope to move into this area that's very diverse, that splices up into groups of three. You have your typical middle-class, posh British people. You have uh, about a third of the community is is really a melting pot of Muslim communities and a third of the community is a melting pot of the rest of the world. We hope to move into this neighborhood and to plant a church. We want to plant a church that ministers to young professionals and to young families. We want to plant a church where all different types of people are welcome. I want to plant a church where the gospel is going to be right at the heart of everything that we say and do. I want to plant a church marked by the countercultural disciplines of reading the word, of spirit-filled prayer, practicing fellowship and hospitality. I want to plant a church where all different types of people are are welcome. I mean, we we know here just like how deep and systemic the the problem of racism is, like in in, in a lot of the communities here in the American South. it's, It's kind of over there, too. The bigger, more predominant issue, though, is class. It's hard for people in a lower class to fellowship with people from an upper class, and we want to plant a church that really displays the brilliance of Ephesians 3 and 4, where all different types of people are welcome. A church for the ins and the outs. A church for the managers in the society and the marginalized of society. want to plant a church where everybody's welcome. want to plant a church where everybody has a role to play, there are no sidelined spectators here, but everybody gets to participate on the playing field. We want to plant a church that really embodies what it means to be sent. So for my family and our little core team that's coming together, we're not afraid to embrace the, the motifs in Scripture that talks about the fact that we're strangers and exiles. Man, we're just sojourners passing through. It's okay to feel like a pilgrim in a strong, in a strange land. We're going to plant a church that's going to be a blessing to the nations. We're going to plant a church that's going to reach the people that God's moving to the city of London and moving them around. So here's where we are with the timeline of things. is We're in the process of sharing this story right now, sharing this vision. You can actually follow along uh, with us at The West London Life. That's a website and it's a social media handle for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, my family, are actually sharing the story right now. And um, we're, we're very thankful for, for Lakeview and to have just a, a couple of days with you to, to meet with anybody that's interested in, in hearing more about what we're doing. Maybe God's been stirring in your heart and you're not exactly sure what for. Maybe it's London. Maybe it's something else. Maybe by considering London, you actually find something else. But here's, here, this is us, right? I mean, two kids from my wife and I just right down the road in Montgomery. Um, I, I know what it's like to be a student here. I have literally done this, right? Right. Struggling with half-hearted obedience in my college years, all the while God faithful to be sanctifying me and continuing to save me through His Spirit. And working in the, the heart of a guy that during the, those college years might have been, been like, I don't know, man, like, is this guy really about this stuff or not? I, it'd be a mistake if you look at me and you think, well, man, that guy's just like a professional Christian. He's kind of got this thing figured out. I am literally just trying to get to Christmas right now, you know? That'd be a mistake. Because I don't have it all together. I didn't have it all together when I sat where you sit. But this is us. God and his great grace is moving in our hearts. So from Raleigh, um, through different uh, areas where God's been so kind to connect us with churches that want to partner with us financially and even mobilize people to be a part of what we're doing, Um, churches in in Tallahassee, I know, I know, but churches in Tallahassee and in Denver, over to Montgomery. Montgomery hoping and praying right here in Raleigh as well. Um, we're actually just traveling in the, in the year ahead. I finished up my responsibilities as college pastor um, at Christmas, and then we're going to spend the spring actually just traveling around to our different partnership areas, building a core team, sharing more of the vision, and uh, building up the team dynamics so we can move over starting in June, and we can even phase in for the next few years. We can plant a church that will hopefully be a blessing to a lot of people. So that's that's us. That's uh, the story. I'm here for the next couple of days to continue talking about these things as well. If uh, if you want to talk more, I would love to love to talk with you. I'm I'm here. Um, our information's on the table right outside in the lobby. We have cards and. All the, all the kind of information that you'd expect where you can get more connected. You can learn about who, who my family is and the kind of work we want to do. So please, go by that table, rate it, just take all the stuff on it. and Not the frames. The frames are really nice. But like take the other stuff, leave me that, and uh, just take that with you. Uh, my wife and I are going to be on campus with the kids uh, for a lot of Tuesday and Wednesday as well. Um, We'd love to buy you coffee and just get to know you and and share some life with you, hear your story, and just talk more about what we're doing and care for you however we can, okay? Now, I actually have something. um, We're going to pivot right here, and I actually think this could be a real blessing and encourage you and even help get you to London or get you wherever you need to be. So back to Hebrews chapter 11, right? Thinking of Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at verse 39 over to chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews 39, over to chapter 12, verse 2, right? And uh, the title of this right here is three motivations, right, to run. Three, Three things to help you run. Three motivations to help you keep moving. And I want to be really clear in applying this to everybody here. If this is your first time here this morning and you're like, dude, I literally just got here and you're talking to me about London, that's fine. You're right where you're supposed to be. Just settle, just receive what God has for you today, right? Maybe you're here and thinking about going to, to London or to any of these other amazing places that you're going to hear about this morning over the next couple of days. Maybe that's not exactly what God has for you right now, but he's trying to get you there. And of how he's going to get you there is working on you right in the here and in the now. Maybe for others, though, God's just going to come out of nowhere because this is how he loves to do it, and he's going to speak to you right now or in the next couple of days to actually reveal his plan for you and the next steps about where he wants you. But for each and every one of us, though, the, 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 the motivation is the same, to run, to keep moving, to keep pursuing Jesus and following Jesus wherever he would lead us. Let's, let's hear from the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, we're going to come back, but notice it, right? All, the, all these, their faith, they didn't receive what was promised. God provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. He's talking about what's going on in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to come back and we're going to tackle that in just a few minutes. Therefore, in light of Hebrews chapter 11 and in light of everything that's been said to this this moment... Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to introduce you to somebody this morning. As you might know who this is. This is me last week. No. This is this is Cliff Young right here. Photo of runner bro. This is Cliff Young. Here's what you need to know about Cliff Young. In 1983, the 61-year-old potato farmer won the inaugural Westfield Sydney to Melbourne Ultra Marathon or as I'll be saying soon, marathon, right? Now, a distance of 875 kilometers. That's 544 miles. The race was between Australia's then two largest Westfield shopping centers, right? Now Young showed up to compete, don't miss this, in work boots and in overalls, right? In a post-race interview, we learned that Young decided to run without his dentures in his mouth because they would rattle when he ran and that annoyed him. Young shows up for this race in overalls and in gum boots, right? Think hunter boots, but not as nice, right? This is this guy. He's showing up for the race. Here's what the report says. He ran at a slow, loping pace and trailed the pack by a large margin at the end of the first day. Now, here's the secret sauce. While the other competitors stopped to sleep for six hours, Young kept running. He ran continuously for five days, taking the lead during the first night and eventually winning by 10 hours. Before the race, he had told the press that he had previously run for two or three days straight rounding up sheep in his gumboots. Now listen to me. How do you not know if you you ran for two days or for three days, right? (laughs) What is this guy doing? This is Cliff Young. This is Cliff Young, wild man right here. He claimed afterwards that during the race, he imagined he was running after sheep, trying to outrun a storm. Now, the Westfield run took him five days, 15 hours, and four minutes, almost two days faster than the previous record for any run between Sydney and Melbourne. What a sentence, for any run between Sydney and Melbourne. How casual, right? All six competitors who finished the race broke the old record because of the tempo set by this potato farmer right here. Upon being awarded the prize of $10,000, Young said he did not know that there would be a prize, and he felt bad accepting it, since the other five runners put in so much more hard work and training than he did, so he split the money equally between them, keeping none for himself. This is Cliff Young. Can we just give a round of applause for Cliff Young, everybody? Come on. Now, what does this have to do with Sunday morning here at Lakeview? It's a word about perspective, and it's a word about perspective and endurance. When you think about the word perspective, it really has everything to do with perseverance and endurance. That's the big idea of this text, and it's something that Cliff Young clearly had in his physical life. Perseverance, endurance, persistence, the idea that you're running a race, the idea that you're going to have to dig deep, the idea that you're going to have to press in, And you're going to have to find resources and reserves you don't think you have in order to make it through. Endurance. This is our generational issue. This is the issue for for my class and everybody when we swept through Auburn. And I'm afraid it's the issue for the the students I pastor from North Carolina State, UNC, and Duke, right up the I-85 as well. I mean, come on. How many of us in this room ever burned our tongue eating a hot pocket right I mean we want instant everything instant gratification instant success we want the some of you were just getting that I know you're just kind of waking up it's great so we want the moment where we can just like plaster it all over Instagram and everything else but we actually don't want to have to live the hard days of life necessary to have the story we want the fruit but not the waiting don't we I mean, each and every one of us, whether you want to go to London or not, right? If you're just trying to get to the next weekend, this is us. We want the story without the sweat. Many of us, we lack endurance. And it's not our problem, right? It's everybody's problem, right? But how are we doing? Like this morning at Lakeview, how are we doing? Are we an enduring people? Are we a flippant and a failing people? Which word is the best fit for our lives? Now, the book of Hebrews is written to a church that was getting tired. It was getting tired. You think about what's going on in the book of Hebrews so far. It was a church that was getting old and tired. The church was settling, settling into the world. It was lacking watchfulness. It was lacking vigilance. And the letter is written to a meandering people. The people should not meander. Streams meander. Streams just kind of go with whatever's easy in the world, but people should not meander, especially God's people. And If I could share with you these, these three motivations to keep moving, you need to know that it's a word actually spoke to a weakening church. I don't roll in here because I think Lakeview's a weakening church. That's not, what, that's not my thing, just coming in here right now like, oh, this is, this is weakening, like right here now in this room. I do speak to you on the knowledge of, of my weakening faith in my college years. I do speak to you on the knowledge of the people that I ran with in college, looking around to the right and the left, knowing what God was calling us to, knowing what was right, knowing what was wrong, struggling to press into that moment. I I do speak to you on the knowledge of just where I've been. I do speak to you on the knowledge of what it was like for me to be a student at Auburn. And maybe you'll be able to pick up some applications for your own life as well. The author's been talking about this the entire time. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he says we may, must pay uh, attention lest we drift. We must pay attention lest we neglect. So here's this idea of a meandering, a coasting, and a drifting people. Chapter 3, verse 12, the author comes back. He's like, look, take care lest there be an unbelieving heart in you. Right? You've actually got to pay attention to your heart. Um, Because I'm sure you've realized sometime in the last week, you don't wake up every day and your heart just wakes on, just points to Jesus right away. And then we're just off to the races. We actually have to like wake up. We have to remove the lies. We have to get truth back in. We actually have to pay attention to to what God is doing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Chapter three, verse 12. Take care lest there be an unbelieving heart leading you to the hardness of sin. So people were growing lazy in their walk with the false notion of security. They weren't really pressing into a a present experience of God's grace as the sign that they were still in the fight and they were still in the race. Rather, they were just kind of looking back and resting on these past experiences of things they they thought they had with God. Chapter 5, verse 12. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you still need milk. Milk. So these people, they should, they should have developed further than they were in their walk with Jesus. They should have been teaching other people, but they, they still needed to be taught. Instead of, instead of slicing up the steak for everybody, they still needed milk themselves. The idea again, listen, hey, 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 don't drift, don't coast, don't neglect. Now there's hope. Later on in chapter 12, verse 12, it says strengthen the hands that are weak and the hands that are feeble. So, This whole thing comes to us in like a a tone of hope, right? There's still time. There's still hope. You can still finish strong. So if you're hearing this, the race isn't over. You can still hear and you can still press in. But it's the idea. Weak hands, weak knees. While there is still time, let's get the muscles going, right? On, On this weekend, let's get the muscles going. And there's one imperative, there's one command in the text that we're looking at. It's, it's arguably the command in the book of Hebrews, and it's the command right here in the text this morning, to run, run, run. The command does not come out of the blue. It comes out of a passion to see this church, which was struggling with some meandering and some coasting and some drifting, just some, I don't know, let's just kind of get through this weekend. I don't know, let's press in next week. I don't know, let's press in next semester this word comes to that group of people. And it comes out of a passion, out of a passion to see them know and love Jesus with everything they are and everything they have. And it comes out of a passion to see this group of wandering and meandering people, right, get in the race and to run hard so the nations can be glad when they get to hear who Jesus is. This has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning. So, The way that you find this endurance is by looking to Jesus, right? Run. Look to Jesus and run. That's the big idea of what you see here. Let's look to Jesus and run. Everything else in this passage explains the running or motivates the running. And this is the command that we wouldn't stroll, that we wouldn't lazy around. Yes, we stop and take breaks so we don't burn ourselves out, but that we would not be a meandering people. We would be a people who run so we can know and have Jesus. And the world can know and have Jesus as well. So with that, how you doing, Cliff? All right, three motivations to run. The first thing we do is we look back to the witnesses. Now, who are the witnesses? The witnesses are everybody that you see listed in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, all the way down to the border where we are, right at this boundary verse of chapter 11 verse 39. These are the witnesses. Now, what is, what is the witness, right? What, what is a witness? It can be an act of seeing or an act of telling. So which is it? As you study what's going on in Hebrews chapter 11, you think about what's going on right here. Now, um, I got grandparents in Troy, Alabama and everywhere else. And I, it, there, there can be like some notions of like, man, let's like, let's like run this race really, really well. Because like up in heaven right now, it's the grandparents. And they're just looking down. On, like grandma's watching you as you sin, and that makes you real uncomfortable, right? And it's like, man, let's, let's like behave, because the witnesses are literally watching us. Is that what's going on? I don't know. Or is it just saying like, yeah, it's as if some witnesses were actually watching you do this thing this morning, let's pay attention to that. Well, Let's press in and pay attention. What is it? Are they seeing us, or are they telling us? That's really the question. And I think they're telling us. The word witness is used five times in Hebrews chapter 11, and every time it's as if they're seeing us, and they have something to say to us. So picture this. It's as if we're all running a marathon, or marathon, right? And it's as if the saints have finished the rest, the the race, and the saints, when they finished, they caught their breath, and then they're coming down, and they're lining the last bit of the track. And it's as if the saints that have gone before us. So yeah, my grandma and granddad love Jesus, and like Moses and all them, right? They finished the race, they're coming down, they're lining the track. And they came and as if they've stood on the sidelines for God, but for God to us. And as they stand, it's as if they're holding out their wounds. It's as if they're holding out their insecurities and their weaknesses and the times when they wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for the grace of God in their lives. And as they stand, they hold out their wounds and tell us that faith was the key for them and it reminds us faith is going to be the key for us as well. And we're running. As we're running, we're tired. You you get tired Of being faithful. You get tired of pressing into sexual purity. You get tired. And there you see David. Hey. That took me out of the race. It will take you out. But God is great. God is great. Press in to God. And you see David. And you keep moving. And as if we're running. We see Sarah. We see Sarah. And we get a taste of what it means to be old and to worn out. And think that God might be done with you. And you, you you start passing sarah and in that little burst of space where you have time to hear her voice sarah's crying out hey i was old and it looked impossible but god fulfilled the promise he can fulfill the promise in your life move past and when we get tired we receive we receive strength from god when we come to god's word and we look back and we look at the witnesses who have gone before us and we turn page after page after page. And we, we, we hear them speaking to us about how faith was at work in their life and how faith is what got them to the end. Then you see Abel, right? Though he is dead, he still speaks. That's the idea here. So everyone, though they are dead, they are still speaking. And their message is the same. By faith, you can do it. By faith, God will see you through it. So the witnesses are not just watching you, they're telling you that it can be done. So we look at the witnesses to consider their lives, and we take heart together. As we read stories, and we're like, man, if that guy, if that guy totally like, screwed up, and if he totally blew it, but God kept him in the race, man, God can keep me in the race too. We draw strength from that. We draw strength from the faith that we see in other witnesses, and we keep running as well. So we run. Because the saints are eager for you and I to finish. Did you catch the end of this? it's It's an incredible truth. Verse 40, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, what in the world is this? Well, since none of them have obtained the promise, notice the therefore. Now, they didn't get what was promised to them. Why? Because God willed, that they get the promise with you and I. Think about it. God is postponing the consummation and awarding of hard work. He's postponing the consummation of the universe until you and I, with their help, finish the race. So Sarah, Moses, David, Elijah, Abraham, all of these, spirits of some people, made without a resurrection body at this point, waiting for a renewed earth, waiting on the promise of God. So we run well, and we run hard, knowing that there's a whole host of people waiting, anticipating, cheering us on as they remind us through God's Word about how God was faithful to them. So motivations to keep moving, we look back to witnesses. Second, we look up to Jesus. Let the eyes of your heart go to Jesus. Satan opposes you. Satan is always going to try to weigh you down. He's always going to try to bog you down. He's going to try to discourage. So we let the eyes of our heart go to Jesus even now. Not listening to the lies of Satan from this last weekend. You always meander. You always give out. We don't listen. We bring our eyes back to Jesus even now. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to psychology. Don't look to anything but Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one that got us in this race and he's the one that's going to see us through this race. So we look up to him. Jesus gave us our foundation from start to finish. He is pioneered by enduring the cross and despising its shame. He is perfected by sitting down in triumph at the right hand of God. Our redemption, Christians, the foundation of our faith is finished. So let, your heart, let the eyes of your heart go to Jesus as you have this blur of witnesses around you, calling out in faith, listen, listen, God got me through and he will get you through. Keep moving. And you keep moving. You hear it again. God got me through. He'll get you through. Keep moving. With a blur of witnesses coming in around you, just look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Jesus. Let the cross refresh you again this morning. You and me are so bad that Jesus had to come and save us, and we are so loved that Jesus wanted to come and die for us. Christian, look to him. Let that refresh you again this morning. Jesus is the perfect model of this faith that you're hearing about around you right now. Because he's ran it from start to finish. He trusted the Father from beginning to end of his earthly race. Jesus is the giver and sustainer of our faith from start to finish. The God who began a good work in us is going to bring it to completion through Jesus Christ. His perfection is counted as your perfection as you trust in him in faith. Let that truth revive the heart again and let's run. Because Jesus is superior. Because the new covenant is superior. Because he is our great high priest. Because he is our strength. We run. So look to him. Trust in him. Behind every good resolve is the ultimate resolve that the Lord is going to keep my feet moving when I don't have the strength to move. And As you look back to witnesses, and as you look up to Jesus, look ahead to Joy look ahead. Look ahead. Look beyond this Sunday morning. Look ahead. Look beyond this semester. Look beyond these few amazing years in this incredible city. Look ahead. Because Satan is here to say, this will all look like a lot of loss. If you actually press into what God has on your heart this weekend... And if you actually press into saying, God, I don't know where you're sending me. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but God, here it is. I'm putting my yes on the table. If you actually press into that, you're going to hear a lot of noise. And that noise is going to sound like this. You're making a mistake. That noise is going to sound like this. What if God doesn't provide? That noise is going to sound like this. This is going to look like a terrible decision. This noise is going to sound like this. What are mom and dad going to say? What are my fraternity brothers going to say? What are my sorority sisters going to say? What are my professors that have invested so much in me going to say? And that's all noise. That's all noise. But because we're actually hearing the witness of faith from brothers and sisters that have gone before us. And this weekend, we're putting our eyes on Jesus, aren't we? We're not on any of these other things, but it's about Jesus. And as we fix our eyes on him, we look ahead with joy. So yeah, Satan is is speaking to some of you over the weekend. He might even have it for some of you now. No, no, no. If you press in to go to London with this loser, it will look like a loss, right? Some of you are hearing that. But what you actually need to know is as you're sitting there thinking, well, if I lose this, I don't know what I'll do. You need to know that Jesus has already gone before you and faced the most high stakes level of that question that you could ever face. Because in Gethsemane, Jesus said, tomorrow is going to look like a lot of loss. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had to think tomorrow is going to literally hurt like hell. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured. Though the Christian life looks like a loss, it is actually a gain. If you have the eyes of God, you will see your life as a vaporous breath. We have to be people who are realistic, right? We are realistic. If we really do believe that God is there, if we really do believe that this life is a little bit of a vapor and then it's eternity with God forever, then we have to be realistic. So let's say to the flesh and say to Satan, the sufferings of this life are not the glory to come. We will lay aside every weight and every sin because Jesus has already gone there for us, Right? for the joy that was set before him. Wait, what is his joy in the garden of Gethsemane? What led Jesus to go to the hard place and to do the hard thing? Was it just Jesus was like like macho human and he just like summoned up the human power to do it? No. Was it that Jesus was God? Well, I mean, that's a lot of it. But the text says for the joy that was set before him, he went to the hard place and did the hard thing. What was that joy? It was you, and it was you, and you, and you, and you. You were what led Jesus to go to the hard place and to do the hard thing. You are his joy, and knowing that you are his joy, that's the only thing that leads us to forsake so many pleasures and these privileges that we have. We willingly set those things aside. To, like Jesus has loved us, to go to hard places. And we, like our Savior, we go and do hard things. Not because we got all this figured out, but because we have an incredible Savior who looked at us, who loved us when we didn't even love ourselves, and he's given it to us. I hope you hear it. There is no neutral in the gearbox of Christianity. You are either moving forward toward salvation or you are drifting back in self-deceit. There's no treading water in the river. You're either swimming forward or you're drifting with the tide. You hold one, but there's no middle ground. Christians live with a solid confidence that God will do the work. We don't press in and we don't make it on our own. We trust God and God will make it for us because God is our key. So some of us, we lack endurance. We need to look to Jesus and trust him for the very first time. Some of us need reviving because we're meandering and we're just kind of coasting and floating. We need to look to Jesus and lock in afresh. And some of you need to embody the mentality of Jesus and run. And let me give you a conclusion that you're not expecting, right? Let me take you back to Cliff Young. Because in this guy right here, i got to get a meme in this, right? I mean, what is a Sunday morning with college students without a good meme, right? So the young shuffle, this shuffle that this man created, has been adopted by ultra-marathoners to this date because it is considered to be a more energy-efficient run to all other marathoning tactics ever created. Ha! Ah. At least three champions of the Sydney to Melbourne race have used the shuffle to win the race. And what is the Young shuffle? It's that he never stopped moving. It's that he was tired and he kept moving. He had lots of energy and he kept moving. He never really ran fast. He never really ran slow. He was simply always moving to run the race. Furthermore, during the Sydney to Melbourne race, modern competitors now do not sleep following Young's model. Winning the race requires running to go, runners to go all night and day like, like Cliff Young did. And if you remember from the start of his story, when he was telling us how he ran, it was actually because he pressed into the experiences that he had growing up. Do you remember his experiences? His experiences growing up, he grew up on a farm, 2,000 acres, with the responsibility of looking after 2,000 sheep. And he was faithful in the moment that God had him in. And that faithfulness where God had him in his physical body, tending to the sheep, tending to the needs, tending to the responsibilities that were before him, were the very things that were creating in him the capacities to do a bigger and harder thing later in life. What if, for some of us this morning, God might not be calling you to London today, but what if pressing into the responsibilities that God has put before you now in you the 10-year process of when God will do great things in your future? Endurance now is critical to faithfulness then. So let's remember Cliff Young, but most importantly, let's remember Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him went to the hard place and did the hard thing knowing that you were his joy will lead you to do the same. Let me pray for you. Loving Father, we thank you for meeting with us this morning. We thank you for speaking. God, we pray that you would uh, be with us as we chat for just a few minutes right now around the tables about what you're saying to us. Father, we look forward to times to catch up over Chick-fil-A and coffee in the next couple of days. So we pray that your spirit would speak to us and lead us today. Help us to be open to what you have. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, you can keep up with us at the West London Life. Uh, My wife and I are going to be around for a couple days. Please come pick up some information right out here. Um, There's my wife right there in the back. Wave, babe. There she is right there. So we would love to hang out. My daughter Perry's just back in the corner of the room. We'd love to hang out with you in the next couple days. So come and find us. A couple of questions to lead us around the tables for just a few minutes. Uh, What did God say to you this morning? What are some hurdles in your life that keep you from running? And how is God inspiring you to keep moving even now? Let's just chat at our tables for a few minutes. Kevin will come wrap us up when it's time.